You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, hope you are all enjoying uh, your holiday and a good uh, start to the week and taking some time to remember the legacy of Martin Luther King uh, on this Martin Luther King Day. Uh, we've got uh, a lot of news for a change. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, of course, the hot stove is now being called the cold stove, but if you listen closely... Yep, that's the sound of the burners trying to click on on the hot stove. Uh, it's a little bit of a thought going on the last few days. Of course, the big deal, uh, the Garrett Cole deal, which we, we thought was imminent uh, last week. That version of it didn't happen, but Cole did wind up going to the Astros uh, over the weekend. And uh, I'm going to review that deal. But uh, there was more than just the Garrett Cole deal. Uh, Brad Hand re-signed by the Padres. And that has, I think, a fairly significant fantasy value. Too bad that didn't happen before I did the reliever landscape preview on the last show, which was on Friday. But we'll go back and we'll revisit that and and take a look at this uh, Brad Hand deal and his uh, recent performance and see what that means for his value and maybe some other relievers' value as well. Another uh, big reliever signing, uh, Addison Reed, uh, going to the Twins on a two-year, $16.75 million deal. Uh, There's maybe going to be a little bit of controversy there, or maybe not. Uh, Talk about who's going to close for the Twins and who will be closing for the Twins maybe by the time we get to midseason. I did a related Twitter poll on that with some pretty interesting results. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez has a home now with the Mets on a one-year deal. Mets will pay him the uh, major league minimum salary, and the Braves are stuck with the rest of the more than $22 million deal. Howie Kendrick just uh, this uh, occurring today, Monday, uh, Howie Kendrick with a two-year, $7 million deal to return to the Washington Nationals. And uh, nothing yet with you, Darvish, but sort of an interesting development there that I will uh, get to. And the Brewers, possible big players in the free, free agent market, two players uh, that they are rumored to be uh, interested in pursuing. So yeah, quite a bit to get to. But as they used to say on the Ginzu knife ads, that's not all. Uh, really, the big thing that I'm very, very excited about, Jesse Winker from the Reds is going to join me later on on, on the show. Uh, always like to talk to players, especially when they've had some really interesting statistical trends. And Winker's 2017 season was, I think, one of the most interesting ones to try to puzzle over. So who better to talk about it? with then Jesse Winker. So he's going to be on the show later. And I am going to go back, and not just because of the Brad Hand and Addison Reed signings, I'm going to go back and look at the reliever pool one more time because we're going to look at some non-closers because I think this year they're going to be more valuable than they've been maybe ever, certainly in a long time. So big show ahead. Stick around. we got our first break right now, but uh, coming back, back on the other side of it, break down the big deals from the weekend.
Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Back everybody, this is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, yeah, we've got a little bit of a thawing of the hot stove. Which has to have it has has to happen for it to become a hot stove. because uh, it's been just an unbelievably slow off season so far. So we finally have got some deals to talk about. A big one, much anticipated, finally consummated, and that is Garrett Cole to the Astros, but not the deal. That I talked about last week, the one that was rumored where you had uh, possibly Forrest Whitley uh, and or Kyle Tucker going to the Pirates. Uh, this one much more modest. I mean, the absolute consensus uh, on social media around this, which I, I do share, is that this is a lighter return than I would have expected. But I don't think it's terrible. And I, I'll get to the particulars of that. But the deal. So Cole going uh, to the Astros and then going back to the Pirates, Joe Musgrove who I really uh, liked a lot uh, the, the latter part of last season and the bullpen thought maybe he'd be a future closer for the Astros. And maybe that's in his future still, but not immediately. And again, I'll get to that. Michael Feliz, who was a highly ranked prospect just a couple of years ago. Colin Moran, same deal there. Former uh, first round pick of the Florida Mar- Miami Marlins. <laughs> oh, what year is this? The Miami Marlins. Uh, and uh, outfield prospect Jason Martin, who was a double A last season. So, of course, we all know about Garrett Cole. I talked about him in great detail on a couple of last week's shows when I figured a trade was imminent. Uh, so, you know, long story short, disappointing 2017 season and, and a sort of disappointing 2016 season too. But last year he did see his strikeout rate rebound, but really had a problem with home runs, had a problem with the ball getting pulled much more often than earlier in his career. So I, I personally think Cole, first of all, with the move from the Pirates to the Astros, I mean, that's... That's an upgrade in terms of wins, you would have to think. But uh, I just think regardless of where he pitches and and who he pitches for, that uh, Cole is a positive regression candidate because it just seems like that's something that is within his skill set to get back to keeping the ball in the park at at a higher rate. But as far as the pieces going back, yeah, there's no big uh, glitzy prospect name going back. I mean, even if we went back a couple of years when the stock for Moran and, and Feliz was a little higher than it is now, uh, certainly not on the level of a Kyle Tucker or Forrest Whitley. But this could be, I, I don't want to say sneaky good, because again, I don't love this trade that much, but I think it could be a better trade than than some people think. 
because Musgrove, as I, I mentioned just a few moments ago, really excelled in the bullpen. Now the Pirates are going to put him in the rotation. They're going to make him a starter again. I th- that's all right. Uh, I, even from a fantasy perspective, that is all right with me because while, yes, Musgrove saw his strikeout rate improve a lot in the bullpen, and that's almost always what you see, uh, he also improved his ground ball rate. And he was good at getting ground balls as a minor leaguer. Uh, he, in particular on his slider, was much better at getting grounders. And so that enabled him to uh, have a pretty uh, impressive ISO, not allowing a lot of extra base hits. Uh, improved what was already a strength from him, which was his control. So he could be a good a good whip guy as a starter. I wouldn't necessarily expect him to be better than average as a strikeout pitcher, but I think he could be much better than average as a, a whip pitcher. Uh, and he, for ERA, pitching at PNC Park. And, uh, you know, if you like to project great things because of working under the tutelage of Ray Searage, go for that. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's, another, it's another plus. Uh, it doesn't always translate into better performance, but, you know, he's going with somebody who, by the way, has had repeated success and getting pitchers to improve the ground ball rates. So here's somebody who already made that improvement moving from the rotation to the bullpen with the Astros. So I, you know, I just, I think there's a chance that Musgrove can maintain those particular gains pitching in a good park and already showing really elite level control. So I'm very hopeful. And the key for Musgrove really is avoiding the extra base hits. And I think he's well poised to, to do well there. Uh, in Pittsburgh in that regard. So that's kind of a nice upgrade fantasy-wise. As for Michael Feliz, I imagine he's probably going to the Pirates' bullpen. I don't see him playing necessarily a high-leverage role there. Uh, He has had some control issues and and issues with the long ball. So uh, some maybe deep league appeal with Feliz because of the strikeouts, and, and maybe he can improve uh, with the change of scenery as well. But let's get to Colin Moran because uh, he had a nice breakout season with AAA Fresno last year and pretty much the instant analysis on Moran from everywhere. And I I tweeted something out to this regard as well, was that he hit a lot more fly balls last season. That's a a familiar story. But something that's a little bit different about Moran's fly ball revolution story was that he really improved his strikeout rate. So he was able to hit over 300. And again, that that's, you know, that's almost certainly not going to translate directly to the major leagues. But if that skill improvement is something that he can, you know, build on uh, with the Pirates, and I think he's got a really good chance to get a real long-term opportunity to be their, their regular third baseman. Uh, you know, he didn't really get that, didn't get that at all. In fact, <laughs> with the Astros, if he really gets that shot, um, you know, he's he's going to be a, certainly a deep league option and maybe a, a you know early to mid season waiver addition, even in some, you know, somewhere in the range of, of 12 to 15 team mixed league. Um, or I probably should say 12 to 14, because I'm talking about deep leagues. Uh, 15 team is, is pretty deep for, for a lot of fantasy owners. But I think he could have some uh, appeal in formats that are a little shallower than that. If he could hit for average and show even just moderate power. 
And granted, what, what's going to work in Musgrove's favor, pitching at PNC Park is potentially going to be difficult for Colin Moran, trying to hit for power in that same ballpark. But a very, very encouraging 2017 minor league season for Moran. So you've got two players out of the four. I mean, Martin, I doubt we'll see major league time, or if he does, you know, maybe very late this year. And he's not really projected to be more than a fourth outfielder anyway. Uh, like I said, Feliz, I don't expect much fancy impact there. But for Musgrove and Moran, much greater opportunity for a fancy impact with the Pirates than with the Astros. And both showed very encouraging signs of improvement in 2017. So that this deal from a fancy perspective, I think is actually more about those two guys, Musgrove and Moran, than about Colt. Because, again, I, I think obviously moving to the Astros helps his value in terms of getting wins. But in terms of everything else... It's really about whether or not he rebounds from last season, particularly in the home run ratio department. And I like his chances to do that. But I would have said that if he had stayed a pirate or if he had gone to the Yankees or you know, gone, you, you name it, elsewhere. Uh, so uh, that was, not, again, the only big deal over the weekend. Brad Hand re-signing with the Padres. Uh, his deal is three years, $19.75 million. Plus, there is a team option for the Padres uh, for 2021 worth $10 million. So given that he's locked up there for a while in terms of contract obligation, I would find it very surprising if he was put out on the market, as was heavily, heavily rumored um, earlier this uh you know, this off season and, and during the season, I'm going to get back to this though um, later in the show, because with him and Addison Reed, and I, I talked about Reed's deal two years, uh, 16.75 million with the twins. Um, you know, the, both of those things that think could be something that, that changes just a little bit, that reliever landscape that I talked about on last Friday's show. Uh, but the other deals for the weekend, Adrian Gonzalez, a one-year deal with the Mets. And the big question, well, I guess two big questions there. One is, can he rebound uh, from a terrible 2017 season? That was really all about his back issues, either keeping him from playing or not performing well when he did play. He hit just 242 with three home runs. But what is the signing mean for Dominic Smith? Because it seemed like the reins to first base were going to be all his this year. I mean, not 100%, I guess I said all his, but uh, with the signing of Jay Bruce, which I talked about last week, Bruce uh, may be slated to dispel Smith a little bit, but, uh, you know, I kind of like Smith as a sleeper, as a, a deep league sleeper. Not as much now. I mean, I think this is this sounds to me like a vote of no confidence, because what incentive would the Mets have had to sign Adrian Gonzalez if... Uh, you know, if it wasn't going to affect Dominic Smith somehow, doesn't add up for me. So it definitely, to me, reads like a vote of no confidence for Dominic Smith. So that, to me, is the bigger impact, fantasy-wise, than anything that we might expect from Adrian Gonzalez. So anyhow, there are some other deals I'll circle back to. The Howie Kendrick thing, the reliever uh, signings, a uh, little bit of Hugh Darvish uh, development. So I'll get all, to all that later, but stick around. Do not go anywhere because you don't want to miss Jesse Winker. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? 
or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and I am very, very happy to be joined by a special guest uh, today. Uh, This is a a player I've talked about quite a bit on the show uh, because of a very interesting 2017 season he had. And so he's agreed to join us for a segment. Uh, I'm talking about uh, Jesse Winker, uh, the Reds outfielder. Jesse, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, no, our pleasure. Absolutely. But I'm actually I'm going to start off here with a non-baseball question, because uh, I understand you're Uh-oh. a big time Buffalo Bills fan. Huge. So, uh, <laughs> you know, obviously I was born I was born in Buffalo, grew up in Niagara Falls, New York. And if you're from there, as you already can tell, you are a diehard Bills fan. Yeah, so I know there was, uh, you know, bittersweet, uh, you know, feelings probably uh, a weekend before last. Look, look, uh, see the, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to cut you off. I'm going to cut you off right now. I was just happy that they made it. You know, I, I had <laughs> coming into this season, they were like, I think the USA Today projecting at 4-12, and 12, and the year that they had, you know, they went through some things throughout the year, and just being a fan. And, you know, what's cool for me is that the offseason, I get to be a fan of a team and cheer on a team, like, you know, a childhood team. And the Buffalo Bills have been a part of my family since, you know, forever. So it's just cool for me that they actually made the playoffs and, you know, um, competed. And it was, a, you know, it was an interesting game, that's for sure. But um, I think it's a learning experience for them. Hopefully they can just go on a playoff run here. You never know. Yeah, well, uh, I, you know, so, yeah, you just sort of rendered my follow-up question uh, uh, probably yeah. pointless. Because <laughs> I was going to ask you if, uh, you know, the, the Jaguars win uh, this weekend – was was you know any sort of re- redemption for you? But but basically, you're telling me you don't care. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter to me. You know, I think <laughs> it's very cool. It's very it's very cool for Blake Bortles. You know, Blake Bortles is a he's an Orlando guy. You know, he went to UCF, and uh, you know, I think it's cool that he um you know he he's on the big stage right now. He's performing well, and uh, you know, but once the Bills are out, you know, I just I, I watch football with my with like my family, but I'm not I don't have a horse in the race anymore, so it doesn't really matter to me. I'm impartial. All right. Well, fair enough. Well, then we'll, we'll get right back to baseball then. Uh, and, uh, you know, my, my big interest in, in talking to you on the show is because, uh, you know, when I see a trend that, that, you know, makes me scratch my head and I just can't figure it out, uh, you know, I like to try to, to gather some, some information. And, and you're the best possible source to figure out what happened last year because uh, you had just a fantastic debut with the Reds. Uh, you, you had a, a few brief call-ups earlier in the season, but uh, you came up October, I'm sorry, uh, August 1st and hit homers in your first two games. And a lot of the analysis was, well, here's somebody who's hit five total home runs at AAA. Uh, he's going to settle in, you know, uh, with less power. And you finished with seven home runs over the last two months uh, while still batting 305 and getting on base at a high clip. And you did it right. with, with actually lowering your fly ball rate. Uh, so uh, you made it look easy. How did you make it look so easy? Um, well, you know, you're saying make it look easy, but uh, that's definitely not the case. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a very, 
you know, there, there's a lot of challenges. There's always been a lot of challenges, you know, within the game of baseball. But um, I have I have great a great coaching staff, and obviously um, I get to watch Joey Votto every day. So uh, having those two things, um, you know, and getting to learn from a guy like that and a coaching staff like that is just uh, it's just to my advantage, you know. And um, I think it, it'd be it'd be dumb of me not to learn from everybody. And that's all I try to do, you know. I just try to incorporate what I'm learning and what I'm watching and what I'm seeing and. Um, you know, and just and just incorporate into my game and go about my days the way I always do. You know, I never, I've never really put emphasis on home runs. Um, at the same at the same time, I've never really. It, it, it sounds it's it's a bad way of saying it. I've never really cared about how many home runs I've hit. Um, obviously, if they go over the fence, I'm thrilled. You know, but um, it's it's just never been a main priority to me when I'm hitting. Um, you know, I feel like my job in that lineup, especially in especially in that ballpark. Um, is to get on base and, um, you know, provide, you know, get on base as many times as I can for the guys behind me and just provide options for them to drive me in. Uh, well, you, you mentioned Joey Votto, and, and so you, uh, you you step or two ahead of me because that was certainly something I was going to ask you about. Uh, what, what were the particular sorts of things that um, Joey Votto or maybe other teammates did that helped you make that transition? Um. You know, I don't. I don't know if there's like one thing that I can just be like, "This is what I." I just what I like to do is watch, and I'm um, obviously ask questions. But um, watching the game just in itself, I feel like you're going to learn a lot. If you just sit back and just watch how a game unfolds, you're going to learn a lot about the game. And then I was actually, um, I was on a two week DL stint, and I just watched every day, and um, you know, I learned a lot. And um, I take pride in, in learning the game because I feel like that's my job right now. You know, me being a rookie and going into my first full season in the big leagues, like I feel like my job is to learn a lot and see how much I can learn in the six, seven, eight months, you know, when the season starts. So um, that's all I try to do. And like I said, I, there's an MVP in a, in a future Hall of Famer for me to watch and learn from. So it's, uh, it's very cool. Uh, so, you know, you had the resources, like you said, just being there and watching, uh, you know, having Joey Votto and, you know, lots of other uh, accomplished teammates to watch. Once you get to the major league level, are there other resources? You did mention coaching, but, uh, you know, maybe in terms of analysis, whether it's, you know, data oriented or scouting oriented or, or something else. Uh, are there other resources that you were able to call upon that were less available uh, when you were in the minor leagues? Uh, yeah, obviously, the the data and everything is, is incredible. You know, there's scouting reports that, you know, they're just through the roof. There's just a lot of information about everything. Um, and I just try to pick and choose the things that match up to what I'm looking to do at the plate or looking to do in the outfield. Um, and it's actually really cool. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a baseball rat, so, like, I look forward to all the information and all the stuff. But, like, at the same time, I, I have to cipher through what actually correlates to me and what works for me. Um, but at the same time, like like I mentioned about the coaches and the hitting coaches, like they helped me out a ton, and I learned a lot. You know, just that two months of getting to play every day, I learned so much. And like I said, I'm just thrilled about doing it over the course of you know whole season this year. Yeah, well, speaking of that season, uh, you know, I had seen reports uh, during the off season that uh, your team's looking at going with a four outfielder rotation, with you basically being the addition to the the three regulars that were there last year. Uh, and then just this morning, uh, 
Dick Williams, the, the general manager, did a Q&A with a longtime Beats, uh, Reds beat reporter, John Fay, and he reiterated that plan uh, that you and along with uh, Adam Duvall, Scott Shebler, Billy Hamilton will all get your, your rest and fill in for each other. Uh, is that going to require uh, an adjustment on your part? And if so, uh, what do you do to, to plan now with spring training a month away to prepare for that sort of arrangement? Um, I'm just going to continue doing um, everything that I've been doing. Um, I feel like I've had a really good off season personally, but my job um, is just to play baseball. My job is to be a baseball player and be the best baseball player that I can be. Um, when I walk into the clubhouse and I see my name on the lineup, um, I get ready to play. If I don't, then I get ready for the opportunity that might call later in the game, whether it's a pinch hit, whether I have to come in for a double switch. You know, opportunities present itself a lot in the National League, and I just want to be ready for that. So whether I'm starting or whether I have to come up to the bench, you know, I think the main goal everybody wants is to win. And when it's my like when my name gets called on to help the team win, that's the moment I prepare for. I don't look into um, much of anything else. You know, I, I try – to stay away from all the, um, all the media, um, just because like, I just try to focus on my job, you know, and I just try to do my job in the best that I can. And, um, that's, that's what I know I'm, you know, responsible for. And that's what, you know, I care about. All right. Well, uh, certainly makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, you talk a bit about uh, you know preparing for different roles, uh, and again, it might be a little bit of a different situation this year than you've had in the, in the past. Not just because because of your role, but again, a, a full season. Uh, you know, I would expect at the major league level. Now that you've spent some time in the major leagues, was there anything that last season you thought, okay, well, when it gets to be the off season, I've got to work on this. I've got to work on X. Is there something you've changed in your off season preparation based on what you learned during those, those two, two months in particular? Yeah. Um, I want, I, I want to improve everywhere, you know, all parts of my game, but just, um, I got to see, you know, a lot of guys, how they prepare and how they work before a game. And, um, you know, I've kept that in my mind, like for the season coming up, but I want to incorporate that. Um, and I have like a good, I've had a good routine going on in the off season with things I've wanted to work on, you know, base running wise, outfield wise. So I've been doing stuff like that. And obviously I always hit, but, um, you know, I'm more looking forward to, uh, like the routines I, I'll have set during the season as well. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun one for me. And I, uh, like I keep saying it, but I, uh, I can't wait for it to start. <laughs> you, you and the rest of us too, and, and, and we'd all certainly like to see uh, even some of the off-season routines of you know player movement, <laughs> uh, free agent size and such. We'd like to see that get underway, uh, and uh, you know, much less spring training, which again is is just a, a month or so away. Um, well, just to have a couple minutes left here, Jesse, but. Uh, I want to go back again to uh, August and September of last year, uh, which was obviously a, a great success for you. But um, who were some of the, the pitchers that really made the biggest impression on you and uh, you know, sort of made you feel like, okay, I've, I'm, I'm really here in the major leagues and this is really a, a whole different level? Um, interesting question, though. Um, I think... I think... Uh, I'm just trying to remember who we played. I don't know if there's like one certain pitcher um, that like I was hitting against that I was like, whoa, I'm in the big leagues. Um, Cause in my mindset, I've, I feel like I've, I've always been ready, you know, and I, I was ready to come up and compete and I was ready to come help the team win. Um, so I never really got caught up in the, 
oh, I'm, I'm, I've arrived kind of deal because I, I don't think that mindset I ever want to have that where I'm like, okay, I finally arrived. You know, I kind of always want to be on for what's next. Does that make sense? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I don't think yeah. there was like a, I don't think there was one moment where I was like, Ooh, you know, this is like that arrival moment. But I will tell you that the first time I played in Wrigley, I was like, wow, you know, Wrigley's pretty cool. Um, and, and to see how their um, how those Cubs fans were just, I mean, there was, we were hitting batting practice and those pretty, the, the fans were already starting to pile in. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I'm trying to think the other places I went, I played everywhere in the division. I went to Atlanta. You know, the new Braves Park was really cool. But there wasn't that one moment against the pitcher. Um, there was like I, I uh, there was just a lot of cool moments for me, and um, but th- not that like one against like a particular pitcher. No. All right. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Jesse, we we do have to go, but uh, thank you so much for taking the time, and I uh, wish you the best of luck uh, this season. And, uh, I appreciate uh, it. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. And uh, keep keep supporting the Bills Mafia. I think they're going to be back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, we'll put that out there. So, well, thank you very much, uh, Jesse Winker. Uh, folks, we're going to head to break, but uh, be right back and uh, have a little more of a lever talk. So stick around. All right. See you. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to DailyRoto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melker, your host. And once again, I just want to take a second to thank Jesse Winker from the Reds for uh, joining me on that last segment. Man, that was fun. I don't know that uh, I understand his 2017 season any better, but uh, a lot of great insight and uh, just a, a really fun conversation with Jesse. So uh, I thank him for uh, for joining us here and uh, talking about his his offseason preparation and uh, the the transition to the major leagues and all the all that good stuff. And of course, talking about the the Buffalo Bills as well. So uh, anyhow, time to move on. Uh, there were a few news items that um, I didn't quite get to in uh, the previous segments and uh, need to, to circle back to those. But I do want to spend some time talking again about relievers. I did a view of the landscape for Friday's show, but it was really just closers. And again, you know, for fantasy, that's you know, that's the, definitely the bulk of the battle is getting a, a handle on how to approach closers. But uh, with pitchers, starting pitchers going shorter and shorter in their starts and more teams investing in bullpens, super pens, whatever you want to call them, uh, relievers, I think, are going to be a little more relevant and going to take a look at a few of the most valuable non-closers from uh, 2017 and then take a look ahead uh, to 2018. So anyhow, uh, one of the things that I did not uh, get to address a little bit earlier in the show, 
Uh, Howie Kendrick back with the Nationals. Of course, he was traded midseason last year from the Phillies. Missed some time with injury, which has been, I wouldn't quite say a constant, but definitely a recurring theme in in Kendrick's uh, career. But man, when he played both for the Phillies and the Nationals, he was he was quite good. Uh, finished with a 315, 368, 475 slash line and 12 stolen bases in just 334 plate appearances. So those deals uh, are in that amount of playing time is is not something to be ignored. And the batting average, while certainly higher than uh, what's been typical for Kendrick, I mean, you can usually count on him to be somewhere in the vicinity of 290 because there are very few players that make solid contact as consistently over the years as Howie Kendrick has. In fact, probably though, I'll say two players. I was going to say one player, but two players I could think of who are sort of in the same vicinity. One would be the guy that uh, Jesse Winker and I just talked about in the last segment, Joey Votto, who's sort of notorious for never, ever popping out. Well, Howie Kendrick did pop out last season once. And that was his first time since 2013. So that is really exceptional. And he's not a, a super frequent contact guy, but he's a, you know, a decent contact hitter. But then when he makes contact, he's you know, relative to the, the rest of the, of the major leagues, doesn't make a lot of outs. So he's a, a consistent batting average guy who can give you some steals with the playing time. Now with this Nationals roster as it's currently constituted, you can't really count on Howie Kendrick to get much playing time. Even if he's healthy, he might not play a lot more than he did last year with the 334 plate appearances. But in a deep league, deep roto league, he can maybe help you with steals. He can maybe, if it's a deep enough league, even help you with batting average, just with the, the bats that he does give you. And it's not as if there aren't paths for Kendrick getting playing time. What if Victor Robles doesn't develop as quickly as hoped in the organization. They want to give him more time uh, in AAA. Uh, you know, what if, if in that instance, Michael Taylor regresses from last year? What if, uh, you know, somebody in the outfield gets hurt? It's, it's not unknown for, you know, Bryce Harper to miss some time. So I wouldn't ca- and Howie Kendrick is very, very versatile, can play almost everywhere. Um, I mean, I'll have to see him catch or pitch or play shortstop, but you can play just about everywhere else. So, um, you know, it, it's an interesting signing and it's an intriguing signing uh, also in terms of collateral impact, because according to Bob Nightingale, who initially reported the signing uh, two years, seven million dollars by the Nationals, Nightingale also reported that this could be the last offseason signing for the Nationals. Unless starting pitcher prices come down. And uh, first of all, I think starting pitcher prices, given the slowness of the market, will come down. And I've got a related item to that. But, um, you know, if, if that's it for the Nationals, then you're looking at probably Edwin Jackson or A.J. Cole or Mary, maybe Eric Fetty as the fifth starter. And I got to say, that's a surprising development. And I kind of like to see Cole or Fetty get that shot. Um, maybe if you're a Nationals fan, you're. You want somebody more experienced, somebody higher end. But I think that they both have their their appeal and uh, in, in deep leagues, uh, if going back to a fancy perspective, could have some appeal. But speaking of the starting pitcher market, Brian Cashman told the New York Daily News that the Yankees, he thinks the Yankees have a chance to sign you Darvish at what he calls a reasonable price because of the slow market. And he thinks that 
it may be a, a five-year deal in the vicinity of 80 to 90 million dollars could be done. So that would be astounding. I mean, you talk about a disappointing return for Garrett Cole. Like that's to me, I'm still trying to wrap my head around you Darvish signing for that amount of money for less than a hundred million. Brian Cashman apparently thinks it's a possibility. So we'll see how that plays out. And one more thing just from the free agent market that uh, according to Jim Bowden of the athletic, uh, that the Brewers are interested in both Jake Arietta and Mike Moustakis. And man, that would be such a boon for Moustakis who hit for much better power away from Kauffman stadium than he did there, which is not too surprising given that it's not a very good park for home run hitters. And that Moustakis has had uh, the last couple of years, especially last year, a power breakout, but over his career, an 11.6% home run to fly ball ratio when he's not in Kansas city, as opposed to a 9.5% rate in home games. That's interesting. If he goes to the brewers also interesting, because it probably means they try to move Travis Shaw and Jake Arietta, he's got uh, just 31 innings, a 2.03 career ERA at Miller Park, only three home runs allowed. That's probably not enough data and, and you know, to really uh, buy into him you know, being great there, but at least it's not like an instant red flag. So let's uh, get to the relievers and the couple of deals I mentioned earlier. Brad Hand re-signed by the Padres for $3 million, $19.75 million plus a team option. And Addison Reed to the Twins, two years, $16.75 million. Brad Hand, clearly the closer for the Padres. But I talked about on Friday's show how there's a really limited number of closers you can rely upon. There's plenty of, of relievers who should close or may close, um, but it's not their status isn't really secure yet. But you know, basically, there's Kenley Jansen and Craig Kimbrell and sort of a half step behind them in terms of consistency and reliability. There's Raltus Chapman. And then you've got a, a whole bunch of closers who are really clearly a step or two behind them, but they're reliable. And so just by virtue, I think, of the safety that they are going to be attractive in drafts, but also maybe a little bit overvalued. Uh, you know, somebody like uh, an Alex Colome, uh, just as an example. Uh, or Roberto Ozuna, who's got tons of upside, but last year had some velocity issues. Uh, so those guys, because of the relative safety, might might be overvalued. But now you got Brad Hand, who was just spectacular last year. Uh, great strikeout source with a 33.4% strikeout rate. Good control, 6.4% walk rate. Got 21 saves. Uh, and he's going he's gonna to be there in San Diego, you have to think. Certainly throughout this season. And, and probably the next one, too. So he, you take him on that list of guys with high upside whose role is uncertain, and you can put him right there in the second tier behind the big three. So that's exciting if you are a Brad Hand owner or want to be one. But then there's the twin situation where they'd already signed Fernando Rodney. Now they've got Asson Reed. In contrast to the guesses or, or hopes of many uh, fancy players or observers, uh, that's been reported by Mike Berardino of the St. Paul Pioneer Press that Rodney is going to be the Twins' closer to start the year. So that just raises the question of, it, it, right back to square one from a year ago when we uh, knew that Rodney was going to be the Diamondbacks' closer, but we were all betting he'd lose the job really quickly. So I put this to a poll on Twitter. Who's going to lead the Twins in saves this season? Addison Reed, Fernando Rodney, or somebody else? And overwhelmingly, 
Addison Reed won this poll, even though he's not going to be the opening day closer as of right now. 64% for Reed, only 26% for Rodney, 10% for somebody else. I know we had a ride-in or two for Trevor Hildenberger. Uh, one ride-in for Case Keenum, which would be interesting, but probably unlikely. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I you know... I think I'm not going to have time to really go in depth on this show about the Reed Rodney thing. We know Rodney's got control issues, but Reed has had at times some fly ball slash home run issues. I, I, I'm a bit worried about, to be honest, Rodney's the better strikeout pitcher. So I don't think it's as cut and dried as this poll result makes it, makes it look. I think both pitchers, even though Reed's, you know, certainly had the better ERA, um, I've got some concerns about both of them. But anyways, we've got to head to another break. When we come back, we will take a look at non-closers to think about for 2018. So stick around. Be back in just a few. Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to DailyRoto.com premium and learn more about our awesome product. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And before I get on to the non-closers, I, I do want to throw out a couple of stats, a couple of Addison Reed stats for you, because I kind of felt like I left that that bit hanging right before the break. Uh, and, and, you know, given the poll results, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, head scratching, head shaking uh, over my concern that Addison Reed might not uh, get as many saves as uh, uh, as Fernando Rodney for the, the uh, Twins this year. And, and both are, are really sort of risky. And uh, last season, among all qualifying relievers, only two had a higher swing rate than Reed. Now, that's a good and a bad thing because that allowed him to whiff a lot of players. You can't whiff, whiff if, if they don't swing. <laughs> and he does pitch in the zone a lot. So, uh, uh, you know, it's not like he's going to walk the yard. Uh, he's got good control. But here's the thing. A lot of swings also does mean more chance for contact. And when contact was made against Reed, like I said, there was a home run problem last year, 1.3 homers per nine. The average fly ball distance was 326 feet, which is not great. Not, uh, you know, it's not uh, terrible, but it's not, it's not really encouraging. So this is what I worry about with Addison Reed is that uh, he might just be merely okay for strikeouts. But uh, when contact is made, he could get into trouble, more trouble than he did last year when he had a 2.84 ERA. So enough about that. I'm, I'll be sure to revisit this uh, in a, a upcoming episodes, hopefully soon. But uh, I, I do want to devote a little bit of time to uh, other non-closers besides Addison Reed, particularly those who may be long relievers or swing men, uh, because I think they're going to gain some value 
Uh, they had some value last year. In fact, three were in the top 30 of relief-eligible pitchers uh, in terms of roto value on ESPN's Player Raider. Chris Devensky was the highest ranked of this group, 23rd in roto value. So think about that in a 12-team league. That's uh, that's a, a number two reliever. And and bear in mind, these rankings include relief-eligible starters. So that's pretty impressive. And then Chad Green was right behind him at 24th. And those two got a certain amount of notoriety last season. But 27th, practically right behind Defensky and Green, somebody that year after year gets ignored in fantasy. And I've liked this guy for several years. Yasmero Petit, who's not going to be with the A's. And he's been with several teams that are in pitcher-friendly parks. He's very fly ball heavy. Gets typically as a low BABIP, typically doesn't walk a lot of batters. So he could be huge for whip because there could be a lot of innings there in relief uh, with a low whip. Uh, so again, I'm gonna, this is all going to be sort of a teaser for future shows uh, because I, I want to dig more into who are the candidates in 2018 that can help you in middle and long relief and in the swingman role. But in terms of uh, relief eligible starters, Joe Musgrove now becoming a starter is very near the top of that list in terms of, you know, if you play in a league, you know, a head-to-head league in particular, where you can use starters that are relief eligible in a relief spot. Joe Musgrove just suddenly rose up the charts, as did Mike Miner when he got signed by uh, the Rangers uh, and and uh, for a starting role. Matt Bush. Uh, he's kind of on the fringes of that Rangers rotation, but he could have you know some similar appeal. I'm going to give you three other names really quickly to think about. And again, I'll revisit this, but at least this will get you thinking about in a head-to-head league, uh, these Sparps, starting pitchers, relief pitchers, which one's target. Joe Biagini, I thought I think he's better than he showed last year. I think he's got a chance to, to make it back as a starter with the Blue Jays. And then a couple of Mariners, Erasmo Ramirez and Ariel Miranda. Miranda, I'm guessing, won't start the year in the rotation, but I think there's an opportunity for him to get back in there. So anyways, just a little bit of a teaser. I'm going to go into much more detail with uh, all these relief uh, fantasy options for you. But we've got to go. Time is up. So uh, thank you again for joining me. Thank you to Jesse Winker. And stay tuned for... uh, Fancy best friends forever coming right up. So have a great day, everybody. See you Wednesday.